Thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for this teaching that we have been going through, Father, over the uh, past weeks. We bless your name. We exalt your name, God. We declare you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And Father, we just come before you, God, as, as humbly as we know how. And we confess, God, that we don't really fully know what that means. But Lord, it is our heart's desire to know what it means and to know what it means in relationship to having relationships and being safe in relationships. So as we go through these series of teachings, Lord God, we present ourselves and we invite you to write on our hearts what it is you would have us to be, how it is you would have us to be, and what it is you would have us to do. So we give you glory and honor today, giving thanks for Jesus our Savior. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk about humility. Thank you, Jean, for changing the clock. Um, but before we talk about humility, um, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about a couple of announcements I think I forgot to make, uh, at least one I forgot to make last week, and then we're going to also um, remind you about one. So, so back to safety and relationships. Um, I'm going to make my little joke about pastor stealing my notes, but... He actually didn't. <laughs> he covered a lot of elements today in Philippians 3. And if you haven't heard um, his teaching, I encourage you to, to hear it and uh, look at Philippians 3 because I will not be referring to Philippians 3 in uh, what we talk about today. But today we're going to do humility. It's a vast subject. And I'm going to tell you not to disregard its importance because... We only have this session to cover it, so I can't cover it. There's no way I could really cover it. It's that big, that wide, that deep. So I encourage you to ask the Lord, you know, to do more with what we talk about today in your own heart by showing you scriptures, right, and taking you through them and, and showing you how to walk those things out. So many of us think we know what humility is, but I'm willing to bet, and that's a euphemism. I don't want to bet anybody. I don't bet. Um, I'm willing to wager, though, that um, we probably have difficulty defining it without using an example. So I'm going to throw out a challenge to the class and ask three people to try to define humility without using an example. Can you define humility? Being a servant to others. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. What does that mean? You use the word Bow in your definition. Bowing down before Lower the Lord. Myself, myself Lowering down. yourself before the Lord. Good. Excellent. Thank you. Anybody else? Considering others more important than myself. Wonderful. She referred to Philippians in her, in her example there. Awesome. Considering others more important than yourself. Okay. Great. Thank you for that. Um, here's a definition I would like to propose. And it's not my own, but it's from a Bible teacher I used to sit under who's uh, got a real practical wisdom uh, teaching ministry. His name is Greg Moore. And he says, humility is the constant recognition of our need for and dependence upon God. 
Humility is the constant recognition of our need for and dependence upon God. It is a life that continually declares my sufficiency is of God. That's what it's constantly communicating. That's what the, the dialogue is between the person's heart and God. And that dialogue is also happening outwardly as they meet other people, speak with other people, serve, you know, um, bow before God. And, and even in thoughts as how we think about other people more highly than ourselves. So you guys are great. You guys are, you guys know about Jesus. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's not like a we diminish, like a we are putting us down. No, you're not to put yourself down, and you're actually right on target. So hold that thought, and let me know if at the end of this, if I haven't kind of addressed some of that. Because you're right, usually that's what we think about when we think about being humble or considering others, of giving them more esteem than you know ourselves. And we'll address that. Let me give you a scripture. um, And I will read you the uh, Bible in basic English. I I prefer the King James. That's why I looked at you guys like, who's sitting here? (laughs) So, But I'll give you the Bible in basic English uh, version of this. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 to 6. Not as if we were able by ourselves to do anything for which we might take the credit, but our power comes from God, who has made us able to be servants of a new agreement. The King James talks about it, a new covenant, right? A new testament. But this says, he's made us able to be servants of a new agreement, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter gives death, but the spirit gives life. Now, here's another scripture I'd like for us to discuss, and it kind of goes to Maria Elena's, um, it illuminates the question that's in Maria Elena's uh, question there, just really emphasizes it. It's a scripture that Moses, um, who is credited with penning the first five books of the Bible, wrote about himself. And it's Numbers 12, verse 3. Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on earth. <laughs> Moses was a very humble man. Hi, guys. Glad you guys are here. <laughs> more humble than anyone else on the earth. I never thought about that before that he wrote that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's very inspiring. Don't, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But it still makes you, even though he wrote it spirit inspired, you're still going. But Maria Elena was speaking the, the question that we sometimes have in difficult places, right? When we're in a difficult situation, if I'm having a quarrel with you, the last thing I want to do is I want to esteem you better than me because I want to be right in the argument. 
I don't want you to be right. Why would I want to give you that consideration? Heck no, techno. Sorry, I ain't doing it. <laughs> but that's not humility, right? But at the same token, if we're in an argument and I'm thinking about that scripture, right, esteeming somebody better than myself, and I'm going, everything she says is all right. I'm just not going to, I, I can't stand up for myself. I can't say what, I can't share what I'm thinking. I can't, I, I'm just, just, just go ahead and verbally beat me down. Just, just go ahead because the Bible says I'm supposed to take it. Is that what the Bible is really saying? Okay, so so what is humility? When you've got a man in the Old Testament who says he was the most humble, right, on the earth, and then you've got scriptures that say you should esteem others above yourself, you should be a servant, you should, you know, be willing to bow, right? It can be difficult, and that's kind of why I led with, can you even define it without using an example? Because I couldn't define it without using an example. I can only say, okay, let's look at Jesus, <laughs> you know, which is, which is, he wants us to not just look at him. He, he wants us to recognize the vastness and the volume that is actually in this thing called humility. Yes. I just, when you're giving, saying all this stuff, I just keep thinking about scripture. Awesome. 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 Yes. I love the definition more. And it's good. Um, <laughs> because when you think of humility, most of the time we put it in terms, positional terms of ourselves. And it still centers around us, which is not really humility. And when the definition that you gave really does center around Christ and our sufficiency in Him. So when we take us out of the picture, then it doesn't matter our value or worth or esteem of ourselves or anyone else because we're not placing an importance on anyone at the human level, but rather the God level, which is where it comes from. That is so well said, as Jean usually does. Ron and Jean really articulate very well the principles of God, and I really appreciate them for what they bring because that that is it that is it a lot of us in here and not just in this classroom but in this church come from cultures where we are I'm going to use the word required to humble ourselves and to give honor to those who are older than we are those who have titles those who are um more recognized than we are in, in whatever the cultural situation is. And that's great. I think it teaches us some really good things about honor, respect, and value, right? Um, you know, in, 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 in our house, I struggle with, in our household, in our family, I struggle with um, family members who are really young referring to my older sister by her first name. That's just something we don't do. You don't just say, you know, her first name. You need to put something in front of that. Um, in Spanish, you sometimes will use a plural. You know, you will refer to that person in plural or sometimes even use third person, right, to recognize that person. And it's a way of not only giving them honor, it's a way of you humbling yourself, 
right? But we fall into a trap if that's all we're doing because we can always give lip service to, you know, oh, hi, mister, right? And I could be in my heart going, he ain't nothing. <laughs> he ain't nothing. He's just a man. <laughs> Mister, I don't even think so. Right? I ain't giving him that. I'll just say it because I'm supposed to. Right? Yes, you are. So and I honor you. That's, that's it. This is my last day. No. <laughs> that's okay. What you can do, though, is throw me out the window. <laughs> but see, when we fall into that trap, we are actually not fulfilling scripture because all we're doing is we're doing something after the flesh. We're just doing it because it's the thing to do. And that doesn't give Christ honor. And it doesn't fulfill the scripture that Sue called out. That's not esteeming him above myself if I'm thinking the opposite of what I'm saying. So what is the word calling us to do? And how are we supposed to do this in relationships? Um, I want to remind you what Moses said about himself. And also the fact that Ron brought out that he said it under the spirit. Moses wrote that about himself and Jesus did not refute it. Moses is one of the most referenced prophets of the Old Testament out of Jesus's mouth. In the New Testament, Jesus pointed to Moses at different points in his teachings. He used, he may not have even called him out by name, but he referred to things that he did or that he said, right? And at the Mount of Transfiguration, who was one of the people that Jesus saw? Moses. So Jesus didn't refute that scripture, right? And he didn't amend it. He didn't correct it. He didn't massage it. He didn't. You have heard it said, but now I say to you, he never did that with that scripture. So there's something in that that is a value that we are called to recognize. Stephen didn't refute it. Stephen in Acts chapter 7 gives us a whole bunch of information about Moses that we didn't have from Exodus, right? He fills it and you're like, what, huh? Moses knew? He knew he was a Jew? What, what you talking about, Stephen? I didn't think he knew he was a Jew. But Stephen, under, again, the influence of the Holy Spirit, lets us know that Moses knew when he went into the camp and then ended up slaying the Egyptian slave driver. Moses knew. Moses even had an idea of the calling that was on his life. But he did it under his own power at that time. But Moses changed. Moses changed. So what about Jesus? Would he be disqualified in your mind when you hear what Jesus said about himself? Matthew eleven twenty nine. he said, place my yoke over your shoulders and learn from me because I am gentle and humble. Then you will find rest for yourselves. See, as believers, we don't even hesitate. We think, oh yeah, that's Jesus, right? That's... Jesus personified. But then when we hear it about Moses, we're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, Moses, how could you say you were the most humble on all the earth? <laughs> right? It makes us scratch our heads like, mm, I don't know about Moses. We need to talk. <laughs> this is Jesus' declaration about himself. This is humility, and it's such a specific revelation of, the important, of an important facet of Jesus' character. 
And what we now can see is that Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. We see it in so many ways, but we see it in that example. Jesus was saying, I am gentle, I am humble, as opposed to being harsh, as opposed to being pushy, as opposed to being proud, as opposed to being arrogant. And this same Bible that tells us about Jesus and tells us about Moses says to you and about you, if you have been born again, that as he is, so are you in this world. As he is, so are you in this world. You are here. Gene um, and I heard this wonderful message on, on Monday evening. You are here to image Christ. You are here to image Christ. Jesus was humble, and you are here to image him in the world. That scripture is 1 John 4, 17. Agreement with God about who we are in Christ and what he has given us and how he has made us is humility. I'll say it again. Agreement with Christ about who he says you are and how he says you are to be is humility. That is not esteeming your own thoughts of yourself above what he says you are, what he's putting you to be, what he's called you to do, how he's called you to handle relationships. That's humility. It's when we dig in our heels and we're like, I want to do what I want to do. I want to respond to Rosanna the way I want to respond to Rosanna. My dear, Rosanna didn't do anything to me. She's just looking down, taking her notes. But, you know, I'm just like, Ugh. And I'm just going to give in to the whatever the is that, you know, who knows? Maybe I just didn't have enough breakfast this morning, but I look at Rosanna and all of a sudden I'm irritated. Which I am not. Wow. But I'm going to give in to it. And so she's going to walk by me and I'm going to walk by her like, whatever. Whatever. That's not imaging Christ. Because even if she did do something to me, maybe she bumped into me last week and didn't say I'm sorry because she was trying to gather her kids and her purse and, and I've taken offense. And now all of a sudden, I just am like, okay, I don't need to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me. I think we've had this conversation before. Mm -mm. Jesus is like, I need to humble myself because that's what he would do, okay? Moses and Jesus are both teaching us that you can be humble and say it of yourself. You can be humble and confess it. Confess, yes, I am humble. But only God who knows your heart knows the truth. Because I could tell you all day long, I'm really humble and be as exalted in my own mind as I want to be. And somebody else could say of me, she's really humble. And what I've been doing is I've been acting the part. But just going around going, yeah, well, Jesus, you see me. You see what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm the doormat. And I'm going to be the doormat because 
I'm expecting from you. Or I'm going to serve until they notice me. Or I'm going to whatever, fill in the blank. I'm going to be, I'm going to act this way so I can get something that I'm looking for. That's not humility. That's not humility. Let's look at um, Numbers 12, going back and look at it in context. Numbers 12, where um, Moses spoke of himself in verse 3. I'm just going to do the first three verses. I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, and if not the whole book. Verse 1, Miriam and Aaron began to criticize Moses because he was married to a woman from Sudan. I could go on a rabbit trail on that one alone, but I'm going to leave it alone. Um, they asked, did the Lord speak only through Moses? Didn't he also speak through us? And the Bible says the Lord heard their complaint. Moses' marriage to the Sudanese woman was the excuse that Miriam was using to have this complaint to say basically Moses was disqualified from being the prophet. Because after all, she and Aaron had prophetic gifts. She was a prophet too. She was a prophetess, right? And so did the Lord speak only through Moses? Didn't he also speak through us? Like, come on now, I could do what he's doing. And wait a second, he married somebody he wasn't supposed to marry. He married outside of our little four and no more circle. <laughs> What's up with that? Oh, I think we should think about it a little bit. You know, maybe he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. And then the next verse, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the earth. When you look at it in context, does it shift for you a little bit? Who was being humble? Miriam? We know Aaron had already kind of blown it earlier with the golden calf thing. I put in the gold and out came a calf. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I have no idea. Yes, he was the one. He said to the people, give me your gold, and I will make for you the gods. Behold the gods that brought you across the Red Sea. Um, excuse me? So anyway, let's just get it right. Priests get it wrong. Prophets can get it wrong. Pastors can get it wrong. Nuns can get it wrong. Brothers and sisters in Christ can get it wrong. We can all get it wrong from time to time. Period. Enough said. There is nobody who is the all-knowing, all-seeing, except for God the Almighty. And Aaron missed it there. But God did not utterly, entirely disqualify Aaron. God was himself showing grace even then, Aaron was still considered to be a prophet. Aaron was still ministering before the people. After he did what he did with the calf, you would have thought he'd be six foot under 
But God extended grace. What are we going to do in relationships when people blow it with us? Like totally blow it. That's it. It's as if I don't even see you. Yes, it does. Yeah, well, but the thing is, have we done all the measures the Bible has given us and what's going on in our heart, even when we separate in fellowship from that person? Separating in fellowship from that person, just as Joe was sharing about the young man that um, basically uh, denigrated Christ before him after going through a whole bunch of mess and living in our home and um, Joe didn't say it this way, but the, the person also even stole from family members, right? Um, even after all that, what did Joseph do? He did, he did separate in terms of fellowship. Like they didn't talk, they didn't hang out together, but this person also separated themselves. They were literally no longer in our sphere. They, they, they quit the job. So, you know, there was an opportunity even after that, right? But because of that, doesn't mean that in our hearts, we're like, yeah, well, you know what? That person is going to H-E double hockey sticks. We don't have the right to say that. We have no idea where he's going because all we know is a point in time or a season. We had relationship for a season. God is able to bring us right back around into relationship again by literally being in the same sphere and having the opportunity to find each other's phone numbers and all of that. God can do that. You were going to say something? Yeah, no, no. just I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. I mean, we literally, as one pastor of fact, got kicked out from church. You know, when we disagreed with the head pastor, um, we got kicked out. We were uninvited to fellowship. Um, and the next time we saw him, um, his wife wasn't with him, and he had different medical issues. So we sat down and prayed with him. And then he wound up being on a panel that um, actually voted me in or out of, of my ordination. Yeah. So, you know, it's... And, and he came up to us after. And he said, after what I did to you, I didn't Okay. So there is a picture of grace where Ron and Jean had every reason, and I would do it if I wasn't in heels, like Jean was this morning on this chair. I would stand up on the chair to just represent Ron and Jean in that, in that relationship, in that encounter were higher than this person in God's view, right? Because they extended grace to this person who had disfellowshipped them. They didn't hold bitterness in their heart. So what more for us in romantic relationship, husband and wife, brother and sister, family, what, what more for us in any time, brother, in the, in the fellowship of God, what we call brother and sister in the fellowship of God. When we are willing to extend grace from the heart, God calls that humility. God recognizes that. And that looks like Jesus. Exactly. That's right. Yep. 
when we look at humility as putting God ahead of ourselves, whether or not it works to our advantage, we can see that Miriam was certainly not exercising humility, nor was she being safe. She was totally unsafe for Moses and not safe for Aaron. Again, because Aaron had had his own deception that he'd fallen into earlier. That was not helpful to Aaron. So she was not safe at that point. Let's look a little further at, at, at this word humility. From the Numbers 12, uh, verse 3 reference, it's Strong's number 6035. And I just give that to you in case you have a strong concordance. You can look it up yourselves. Um, it's not impossible. You can look it up online. Um, it means, it's an adjective. And it means poor, oppressed, afflicted. I want to add, not sick. Because a lot of times we think the word afflicted means a person is sick. That's not necessarily what it means. It means humble. It is used of persons who put themselves after others in importance. People who are not proud, haughty, or self-assertive, or low in rank or position. So you might be high in position, but because of how you treat other people, you are seen as humble or you are walking in humility before others because you're not walking in, well, you know what, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a British subject and you guys, you Americans, you're so far down the, the whole thing of recognizing your being subjects of uh, Britain that I'm going to look down on you because I was more recently the subject of the Queen of England because of where I come from. So I am higher than you are. You're just commoners because you refused to bow to the queen. There are countries that do look at America like that because as a country, we may have gotten our esteem and our honor and our whatever because we were subjects of the British kingdom, Great Britain and all of its vast resources. That's, that's on a national level, right? But then we can also carry that same spirit, that same attitude in our own individual walk. So on a practical level, what is it that keeps us from walking in humility? And I'm looking for two things. I'm looking for you guys to engage. What is it that keeps us from walking in humility? Pride. Thank you. Not who we are in the Lord. Wow, you hit number one, number two, right then and there. Maybe we should separate them. What do you guys think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit too close to each other. There you go. Ron and Jean said you guys can teach the next series. <laughs> They're ready. <laughs> In my notes, I use the word self-centeredness and emotional insecurity. Those two things are referenced, are part of our pride and our insecurities. With self-centeredness, everything we focus on is only from our perspective or from how it impacts us. 
And when we are suffering from emotional insecurity, we may be suffering because of our own hurt, hurt we've experienced, hurt in our past. And we are tempted to act out of a deep desire to be seen, to be known, to be recognized, to be accepted. So we act out of that. And both of those things can get us trapped in pride very easily and very quickly. Miriam shows us this. Insecurities have a way of cutting you off and blinding you to the truth as it really is because you can only see it from your own perspective. Instead, we nurse the thought that life is just not fair and that becomes our inner language. Miriam's behavior, when we walk and live out of the things that are contrary to humility, they don't just impact us. Her behavior impacted Aaron, but it also impacted the whole community. If you read uh, Numbers 12, 15, it held back the tribe from moving on when she suffered the leprosy outbreak. And then you go back and you look at uh, Hebrews 12, 15, it talks about how bitterness defiles others. What she did, what she said, what she brought out of her own heart impacted the community and kept them back from moving forward in what God had for them. So when we walk contrary to the characteristics of Christ, we need to recognize that we are not just impacting ourselves or our immediate circle, but it has a rippling effect on our brothers and sisters. I want to take us to the New Testament. Philippians 2, we've talked about that, 3 and 4. Pastors talked about Philippians 3, where Paul gives his own, um, out of a desire to, to get the people to recognize that his status and his stature and his whole pedigree don't mean anything in Christ. He gives his whole pedigree. And he's like, it doesn't mean anything in Christ. That's Philippians 3. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Let's look at it in terms of um, marital relationship and in the body of Christ. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Imitate God since you are the children he loves. Live in love as Christ also loved us. He gave his life for us as an offering and a sacrifice, a soothing aroma to God. Ephesians 5, 21 and 22 says, place yourselves under each other's authority out of respect for Christ. <coughs> Bless you. Wives, place yourselves under your husband's authority as you have placed yourselves under the Lord's authority. Only a person who is humble can offer submission. Submission cannot be demanded. I mean, yeah, you can demand it, but that's not submission. That's something else. It's no longer submission when it's demanded, when it's required. It could even be ungodly in that perspective. Submission is something that is offered from a humble heart. So I want to give you two gentle words of caution. I want to bring it to where we are today. Um, 
you guys have heard that the name of the church has changed, right? It's changed. Okay. And we all may have different feelings about it, right? But I was led to understand that there are many postings that are going on on Facebook about it. And they're not necessarily in the spirit of humility. And it's okay to share what one thinks, um, but I would encourage us to ask God what he would have us to say and how he would have us to say whatever it is that we want to say about it. I would encourage us to consider our tone and the heart behind it as we share our opinions, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's in conversation with others. Let's check in with the Lord and let's have him check our hearts. And it's okay to feel however you feel. It really is. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm not saying that you need to like it and you need to be okay, you know, and zippity doo da. Or and I'm not saying that 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 I'm not saying anything other than check in with the Lord. And it's that's just an example. Because the same thing, the same tone, the same. Um, essence that I want us to connect with in this impacts the second thing I want to caution us, especially those of us who are women. This is the hashtag me too woman of the year. Um, I want to, I want to year of the woman thing. And you know what? It's about time. It's about time that Organizations like the NFL begin to recognize that domestic violence is not acceptable at all. It's about time that they start doing something where they, they, they make a judgment call, and I'm not saying they judge the person, to, but that they make a decision about what their values are. 40% of their viewers are women. 40% of us like football. I'm one of them. So I don't want to hear and I don't really want to see a guy who's been assaulting women and all that whatever, you know, or, or beating up his wife or girlfriend, you know, playing like it's nothing. Like, you know, he just got a parking ticket. Right? No, it's about time. It's about time that things that have been going on um, in all industries right? Where there's been all kinds of harassment, right? And I'm not just talking sexual, although that's the most prevalent, right? Be exposed and that we as a culture, we as a community of people no longer accept it. We, we don't, we don't, it's not okay for women to be hush hush, you know, with each other and go, oh, that happened to me. My boss did such and such or I, you know, whatever. That's, that's not okay. Or it wasn't even my boss, it was the CEO of the company. And when I spoke, when I went to HR, I was no longer able to advance it. That's not okay. So I'm not saying any of that's okay, right? It's, it's about time that stuff came out. But let's not let it take us too far. Let's put a check in our own spirits, right? Because 
we might be aligning with something that we don't really want to align with because it's going, it's become this thing now where it's, it's bigger than, I don't know. So I sense a check in my spirit before I would share what somebody else, um, you know, has said. So I, I encourage you guys, pray to God and ask God. Should I forward this, my favorite actress's tweet or Instagram post or whatever it is, or repeat it? Should I forward this? Does this carry, is this coming from something that you are in agreement with, Lord? Because if it's coming from the wrong place, it falls into pride. It falls into emphasizing our insecurity. And now I want to get our security from beating my chest and and saying, yes, I'm woman. And look at all these women that are coming out and how awesome they are. And yes, they are awesome. They are no less awesome than you are. They are no less overcomers than you are who've lived through the same things. You are mighty in God. You are overcomers in your own right. Okay, so you don't have a microphone and nobody's taking pictures of you and putting you in front of a magazine. But you've lived through some things that maybe even some of those women haven't lived through. But does that all of a sudden as women make us better than men? I don't think so. Because see, that's the danger is that we start giving into that spirit of, oh yeah, we're better than men. We've got it all together. You know, hey, you know, if I was, if I, if I was CEO of such and such and such, we wouldn't do X, Y, and Z and whatever. Well, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. I just have to say it's equally bad mm-hmm. for um, a man's character to destroy Thank you. because someone is, is accusing them because we, you know, until there's evidence or, you know, this is a country where you're supposed to be, you know, under law and you're innocent until proven guilty. So I just have to say it's equally bad to have, you know, a man's character, you know, destroyed for want of evidence just because somebody is I appreciate that, Linda. And at the same time, I'll also say this, not to disqualify and discount what Linda said. There are many women who have suffered so many abuses that have never said anything. Yeah, and, I, I, I yeah. That. and you recognize that. I yes. recognize that. Yes. Totally. I think yes. most women have had something that could go along with that. But I just think there needs to be a balance. Balance. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, we just, we need to be sensitive to the Lord. <laughs> That's the main call here. Go ahead, Sue. Well, also, I'm just thinking that, I mean, I just can't even believe every single day it's somebody else, you know, that's getting mm-hmm. accused, you know, and it's so, and I agree with everything you said. I just think that, oh my gosh, this, it, I mean, I feel the need to pray for these men because. Um, whether they did it or they didn't, you know, if they did it, then I'm praying for restoration and grace. And if they didn't do it, then all the more they need, you know, I mean, to me, it's bigger than there just has to be some, it's just a huge prayer thing for me. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. Yes. Well, I appreciate you know you mentioning you know how or how we partake mm -hmm. because with that cause and sometimes a lot of with social justice causes, um, there's you know there's like truth there, mm -hmm. um, but it's approached from such a worldly perspective that it just becomes a club of judgment and ostracization, and there's no just like that. What, what's missing that what we as Christians approach you know these issues with is that there's restoration is not there. The point is not just to club down a bunch of powerful men and, and or men in general and leave them in shambles. That's that is not the Christian part. So that's I think we we should be mindful, you know, that's that is a spirit of kindness. That is, you know, that's that's not humble. But it's and it's not truthful, right? So if we're not approaching an issue wanting to see resolution and not just a color judgment, you know. That's good. Thank you. Yes. I am in no way justifying or excusing the bad behavior. Yeah. Um, at the same time, um, we forget that people that do these types of of things, whether they be male or female, mm -hmm. there's a lot of mm -hmm. females that take abuse of power and, and all that as well. And there's no male me too. Movement going on, it's not as prevalent as it is for females, but it is there. Um, but these individuals are also victims. What's in their background? What has caused them to, to treat women like that? Was it that they weren't taught? Was it injuries that, that they went through? Was it, you know, people, God didn't design people to wake up and figure out how to mess over everyone else. Right. But along the way, we talk about the emotional cup. There's just in their, their cup, cup, and they That's haven't right. been healed. That's right. And and I love what what Teddy said. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there needs to be opportunity for restoration, not just accusation. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. And and again, I mean, speaking as one who has been molested, um, and other, it's 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 not that I take this subject lightly, mm -hmm. but there are also some. Women who are so sensitive, yes, um, that the wrong look mm -hmm. is sexual harassment, right? Because it's perceived because of their background right. as well. You know, so when we look at it from a humble perspective and say, "Okay, what do you want me to do?" If there's something there, is it my perception? Does there need to be correction? Does there need to be accountability and consequences? Uh -huh. All of those things. Are different levels, and we need to be able to humble ourselves and say, "Okay, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to, because this is an ongoing and it's serious enough that it needs so forth and so on." Yeah, I really like what everyone has shared, and I really hope that those women who are here who have suffered those types of injustices and even more, um, and men too, would recognize that um, this is not to. Um, disqualify or look with disdain upon anything that anyone has gone through. Um, but we do, we stand the risk of disenfranchising our brothers in the Lord. We stand, I mean, we, men have learned how not to open the door for women because women had attitudes 
in the 70s and 80s of, I can get it myself. Well, you know what? You can open the door for me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. You can get up and give me your, offer me your seat. I'll let you know with kindness if I don't need it or I don't want it. I don't, I don't need to say it with rudeness. Right? We, yes, Wonder Woman came out late last year, whenever it was it came out. That's great. And I love one. I, Linda Carter, my girl, okay? <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> That's wonderful. But what is Christ calling us to? What are we supposed to look like? How are we supposed to carry ourselves? And we've been empowered to do that. We're not being called to do it without the power of God. We've been given everything we need for life and godliness through the intimate knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when we're in relationship with people, I want to encourage us to deal with our egos. For me, ego, my abbreviation, for my, my, my acrostic for that is egging God, capital G, out. So small e, big G, small o. We egg God out when we insist that it has to be about us. So we're having a conversation. And I don't want to hear anything you have to share with me. I just want to download and share with you everything that's going on in my life. That's not what God calls a relationship. That's what is called a one-way street. But even if I'm saying things that you may not agree with, your kindness to hear my heart, even behind the words I'm choosing, is an act of humility. Can we do that in our relationships? even in difficult ones, even in male-female relationships, even in sibling relationships. I have siblings I don't agree with. There are points even in our relationship in Christ, like things about the Bible that we don't agree with, but it doesn't mean that every time I see them, I got, okay, yeah, chapter X, Y, and Z, and yeah. No, we've had that conversation, and we let it be, and we continue in relationship. I would encourage us to begin to walk in that. I would encourage us to think about Moses, look at Moses, and let him be our example. He learned a lot after he killed that Egyptian slave master because he was a leader who took his issues directly to God. He went directly to God. God, look at your people. How are they? How am I going to feed them? God, these are your people. I'm about done with them. Uh, what are they going to drink? He took his issues directly to God. And then he turned and he faced the people. He prayed for them. These were people that he prayed for his sister right then and there when she broke out with leprosy. He prayed and asked God to help his sister who had, God obviously told him, you know, she's kind of talking smack about you behind your back. He didn't let that stop him from praying for her. 
Yes, Ron. What I appreciate about Moses is that God several times said, I'm done with these people. And Moses said, but God. So when we're about ready to throw people away, I mean, like, I mean, enough. I mean, we, we have kids or we've, kids have grown through stages where you're like, you know what? I put my own son out. My own son. He got in front of his father and he totally disrespected his dad in front of me. And I was like, with all the fights we've had in the bedroom about how much your dad gives to you, you're going to do that in front of, no. You want to find someplace else to live? Go. Here's your grandmother's number. That's a safe place you can go to. And then we ended up having a family meeting with grandma, grandpa, auntie, and we all sat down and we talked about it. But no, you will not do that. So when you are done with people, don't be done with them in your heart. You can be done with the behavior. It's okay. And I'm not saying, you know, uh, pine away for them. And I'm just talking about intercede for them. Let's pray for them because we don't know what they don't know, right? There's something that's in their cup that's causing them to do whatever it is they're doing. Yes. It's talking about, like you said, we don't know how they feel. And the example you were saying that you're talking with the lady and then said before in your heart, and maybe if you are in so much distress that she's choosing to give you her heart and listen to you, even though maybe she's disagreed. But she's been a servant now in this case. But and I have a similar instance where that person was listened, said later on, oh, it's bad, I was in pain. Well, I wish you would have told me. I saw my friend tell me that you didn't feel good, then I would have liked you to go and then maybe hold my pain. Yes. Yes. And how we manage situations like that to, uh oh. Well, that's what's called safety in relationships. Because I poured out my heart to her, but I have no idea. I have no idea what she's walked through this week. Maybe what I'm considering as being like, I gotta talk to you like now is nothing compared to what she's been through, but I don't know it. If I'm in relationship with her, the way God calls me to be in relationship is I need to make sure that we make room for that in our time of talking. And maybe right now she may choose, you know what, Leona, let's deal with what you're going through. Let's pray about that. Because it's about, checking in is about sharing what you're feeling, a little bit about the reason behind what you're feeling, and then being willing to hear what the other person has to say. And then you guys praying together and asking God, God, what do you have to say to us about what we're talking about? Right? But say, for example, she's like, you know, I don't even want to face what I'm dealing with right now. It's too much for me. Let's deal with your thing. I still, if she's safe for me, there needs to be the time when she'll say, you know what, Leona, let's talk. Because I have stuff I need to talk to you about. That's what safety looks like. It's not always going to be two-way right away, because it can't, life, that's life, right? But I still, in a safe relationship, I expect my friend, my husband, my partner, my brother, my sister, to be able to come to me and say, you know what, can we talk? Because I've got things on my heart I need to share with you. It can even be good things. 
Maybe she got a promotion and we didn't get to celebrate and she wants to celebrate. And it's like, I'm not, but I have no idea. I would want in a safe relationship, that person to come to me and say, you know what, can we talk? Can we get together? I have something to share with you. That's what safety looks like. Okay. So we're over time um, and I want us to pray. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys to stand up and kind of repeat. The Lord gave me a prayer. As, say this. Say the phrase after me if you feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable praying the phrase after I've said it, don't. It's not a requirement. It doesn't keep you from anything. Um, you are blessing God. So here we go. I accept the truth. Of the word that says that Jesus is, and that as he is, so am I to be in this world. I confess the truth that Jesus lived a life of humility, and that he calls me to do the same. I confess the truth. That Jesus is in me, and I in him. So I repent before you, God, for all the times I have chosen to walk in my own self-centeredness, pride, insecurity, emotional insecurity. Especially times when I knew you were nudging me to do or say something totally different than what I wanted. I repent for giving place to my flesh. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, thank you that I do not have to wallow in the past or any sin I just recognize because you already forgave me when Jesus bore my sins. I receive all the Lord has intended for me as a child of God and in humility, and in humility I, declare, I declare, I am an heir. I, am an heir. I, inherit I inherit everything God has for me. I acknowledge that it is Christ's humility in me that causes me to be seen as humble and not my own doing. Lord, I choose you. And I choose to learn of you so I can be a safe person like you. Lord, please help me. Lord, please help me. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.